You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. At Sierra University, we've been empowering students to pursue their goals for over 130 years. From innovative degree programs and helpful tools to campus locations focused on creating community for international students, we can help you find your way forward. We even offer international students 25% off tuition on select degree programs. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Across the Sky, our National Lee Enterprises weather podcast. Got the whole gang here today. I'm Matt Hollander in Chicago, and I'm joined by my fellow meteorologists, Joe Martucci in Atlantic City, Sean Sublet in Richmond, and Kirsten Lang in Tulsa. Together, we cover weather across the country, and uh, hope you like listening to us because uh, we're all you're getting today. No guests this week. We just want to take some time now to talk October, talk about fall, specifically the top 10 things you should know about fall. We'll dive into the list in just a minute, but first, guys, what I want to know. Is fall your favorite season? Why or why not? And I'll go first. The answer is definitely yes for me. I love fall and I've got three reasons. Yes, three reasons why. Now, first, we're talking about Goldilocks temperatures. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It feels just right. Second, college football, my favorite sport on every Saturday in the fall. Fantastic. And finally, my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving and my birthday are in the fall. So let's recap here. I'm getting together with lots of family and friends. I'm eating a lot of good food. I'm watching a lot of football, enjoying some nice weather. Guys, it doesn't get any better than fall. Agree or disagree? On the power ranking of favorite seasons, fall comes in last. Dang, oh, come on. Dad. You're but, killing me, Joe. But, You're killing me. But <laughs> if we're including September, and we'll get to that, I do like the month of September. I can't stand the month of October and then to a lesser extent, November. So I'll talk about the weather reasons why first. First of all, anytime you're in the 50s, that's like weather purgatory. You might as well be in the 70s or just be cold. 50s, even 60s, that's like weather purgatory. So that that's no dice for me. The second thing is the sun just keeps getting you know, uh, lower in the sky. It's shorter, it's shorter, it's shorter. Like in September, it's all right, it's whatever. And then, like, you got November in here in New Jersey, you know, the sun's down at 5 o'clock by that point. And the sun's not up till, like, 7.30. But anyway, here's the thing about October. I am – October and I are not friends. Drake would be very upset at me because I know he's October's very own. I could do away with the month of October. We've had – this is what I've had happen to me in the month of October. In 2009, I had 105 fever with the flu. Then in 2012, I got into a bicycle accident. I lost some teeth, had a concussion, and then Sandy hit about four days later. Then in 2013, I had a, a health incident, I'll just say. And then in 2018, I ended up having a basal cell on my eyelid that we had to do surgery for two months later. So October and I are not 
friends. Now it's my mom, excuse me, it's my sister's birthday. It's my dad's birthday. It's my brother-in-law's birthday, but it is not my birthday. My birthday is in May in the spring, which is my third favorite season. So no, fall and I are not the best of friends. I like a lot of parts of fall and I like all seasons, but fall unfortunately is fourth. Wow. Kirsten, Sean, how do you, I mean, I, I think it's pretty, pretty telling why Joe is not a fan of fall, but Sean and Kirsten, uh, your thoughts on fall? I like fall. I really do. I, I think it is definitely not my least favorite at all. Summer, as I'm getting older and like with all of the kids, summer is by far my least favorite. I'm just sweating 24 seven, chasing kids, putting on sunscreen. I hate it. I'm so ready to be out of it. And I think that's why I like fall is because we're coming out of that. And it's like September, August is the worst month in my opinion of the entire year. But then you get to September and you, it, it's, it's okay. I mean, the September has been a little hot, but like you just start getting a little bit cooler, but you're not too cold. I'm with Matt on this because then when you start getting too cold, then it's uncomfortable again. So summer and winter are terrible because they're just two extremes. And then of course, spring and fall, you get, you know, the transition period. But I think I hate summer so much <laughs> that fall is just like, it's that beam of light at the end of the tunnel for me. And I think that's why. Plus I like Halloween. I love dressing up. I love I'm with Matt. Thanksgiving, I think, is my favorite holiday because you don't have to worry about gifts. You know, I like, uh, don't get me wrong, I love Christmas, but you have the stress of getting everybody a gift and this and that. Thanksgiving, you just get together and eat, and I love food. So Thanksgiving's probably my favorite holiday. Halloween's my second favorite. So I'm I'm with Matt. Sorry, Joe. I'm not I'm not in your boat, but uh, but yeah, that's that's how I'm gonna fall on that. I just want to add to the fall. I forgot to even All say right. this. Halloween. So I'm I'm okay with Halloween. But I don't, unless someone's inviting me to a Halloween party, I'm not dressing up for Halloween. Oh. So, Kirsten, if you're at a Halloween party and you want me to come to Tulsa, I'll dress up for your Halloween <laughs> party. But sans that, I, I'm not dressing up for Halloween. So, Sean, you're going to be our tiebreaker. Is fall good or bad? No. All right, now, let me step back. With all due <laughs> Thank respect, you, Thank you, Joe, I don't even need the respect. With all due respect, Joe, it's not October's <laughs> fault. It's not October. Not my fault. I had 105 fever with the flu. That's not October's it's not, fault. It's not my fault. Uh, I hit a grass-covered ditch on a bicycle, Sean. You know what I'm saying? Did it's you do it in the dark at 6 p.m.? No, it was then like it's not October's fault. All right, so okay, it was after here, my one of my weather classes at Rutgers. Here's what I will give you, though. I will give you this one, Joe. Um, I love fall. My biggest problem with fall is that winter comes next. Yeah. <clears throat> if we could go right from fall to spring, well, now, now we're talking. Now we're talking about a climate I can get into. Uh, but I totally understand Kirsten's point about August just being a hellscape, especially in Texas, where every day is at least 95, right? So for me, I'm I'm kind of a, of Matt's, you know, idea here that I, I still enjoy college football, I still like to, it gets cool enough. You want to start playing around in the kitchen a little more. You, you want to start cooking some stuff. You could start doing stews again. You can start doing soups again. You can start baking some pies, man. You can, you know, you, you enjoying the hotter foods again. Nobody wants a bunch of hot nachos in July, you know, or, or a big bowl of soup in July. Nobody wants that. Right. Um, you get to put on, you get to put on the sweatshirts again. Uh, and the other thing, Joe, I'm, I'm going to push back 
I love you, brother, but I'm going to push back. There's nothing wrong with, with 55 or 60 degrees. If mm. the sun is out and it's 60 degrees, a little sweatshirt, it's fine. It's a great no. day for football. It's a great day for football if it is 60 degrees and sunny. It's a beautiful day for football. Your problem is that you went to Rutgers. <laughs> oh. <Hey>, listen. <laughs> well, if you want to talk about football, without Rutgers, there would be no football. So that's very true. Point for you. The birthplace <laughs> of college I, football. I got the ultimate trump card in that one if you want to start talking about <laughs> you football. You did that. But uh My pro- 50s and 60s i'm just like they have there's no you don't it doesn't snow when it's in the 50s or 60s you're not wearing shorts in the 50s and 60s unless you're one of those people who wear shorts all the time one of those people what is that (laughs) now look i am sometimes one of those people through october i am that guy who will have shorts and a sweatshirt on yes i am that guy i do that too but you're in virginia it's a little bit warmer in october oh yeah Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, that that's the thing is you get a lot of swings in October. But but back to your point Joe is that one thing that does frustrate me is that we you know we do lose daylight so dramatically, right? Through the through the course of October. I mean, it starts to fall off very rapidly in September. Um I do wish we had a little more daylight. I'm a little farther east in the time or west in the time zone than you. Uh so it doesn't get dark quite as early. I mean, God bless those people in Massachusetts and Maine where it's oh, like yeah. dark at four o'clock in yeah. the afternoon at, at the solstice, man. That's just, that's got to be miserable. But yeah, I, I do like fall. It gives me a chance to do those, those warmer things that, that I didn't want to touch in July and August. But yeah, I'm not a big fan, big fan of winter. And and I'm also really tired to Kirsten's point of slathering sunscreen on anytime I want to do something outside more than 30 minutes in the summer. So uh, fall is my time because the other thing is that I, you know, the allergies, I don't have, I don't have fall allergies like I do in the spring and early summer. So I'm going to go, I'm going to be team fall. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that's fall. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Also, I, I, I'm going to give credit to Sean on this one because he's talking about winter. Again, this goes back to a where you live thing because, yeah. you know, you guys in Virginia don't get as much snow, right? I mean, winter like i live for the snow in the winter like that's where i'm at so in the cold so if it's like again in the 50s in the winter like it is in richmond most of winter i wouldn't like that either so fall could be three if i lived in richmond virginia well what what is your favorite season joe summer okay oh <laughs> that's because you don't live this far south no i i i i i can hang i can hang i mean i grew up though in Matt and I both grew up in Texas. It was hot. It's funny because like I was so much more tolerant of it. Now I hate it. And it's the sunscreen and the kids and I'm just sweating all the time. I hate it. I I could see it if I lived in like non-coastal United States. But if you like put me on a beach in Florida, like, hey, Joe, you like you now live in, you know, Clearwater Beach, Florida. You know, I, I can hang. I've been, to, I've been to Florida in the summer. <laughs> well, clearly we could debate this for quite some time. I did not realize there were such strong opinions about fall, but there clearly are. But regardless of how you feel about fall, there is a lot of interesting weather to talk about. So coming up after the break, our top 10 things you need to know about fall. And we're back on Across the Sky to kick off our list. We're going to talk about the timing of fall. First, 
the start of astronomical fall. Now, that's what happened a couple of weekends ago on September 23rd with the fall equinox, the day where the sun's rays are focused on the equator and there's an equal amount of day and night. Astronomical fall will last until astronomical winter begins on the winter solstice. That's the shortest day and longest night of the year. And this year, that's going to occur on December 21st. But this brings us to the second thing you need to know about fall, which is that there's another way to define the fall season, meteorological fall. Joe, what can you tell us about this? Yeah, so, you know, us in the weather biz, we like to keep things as nice and simple as we can because forecasting is hard enough. So what we do is we break down each season into three-month periods that involve the full month. So at meteorological fall or climatological fall, they're interchangeable. I think technically it's climatological fall. But climatological meteorological fall is September, October, and November. And then the winter would be December, January, and February. Yeah, it's all based on the temperatures when we typically have those kind of middle temperatures. We, we define it really based on, you know, when we see our coldest months of the year, December, January, February, our warmest months of the year, June, July and August. It just makes it easy from a, a climate perspective. You're right, Joe. It really helps in keeping things organized and the climate records that we like to keep. So there, that's the thing you need to know. There's astronomical fall and meteorological fall. And that's why it's the first day of fall. You'll hear some people saying that September 1st, but technically it's usually not until the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, if you're going by when the equinoxes and the solstices occur. So moving along from the timing to our number three thing you should know about fall, and I think you probably already do, it's fall foliage. I mean, how can we not talk about how beautiful fall is? And that's another reason why it is my favorite season. I love the fall colors, but when do you get the best fall colors? That's always a popular question, and it really does depend on where you live in the country. You know, in some places, uh, the best time to see fall color is actually right now, very end of September, early October. Now, that's not many locations, but if you're in the Rocky Mountains, far northern Minnesota, uh, northern New York, northern New Hampshire, northern Maine, really the peak of the season is late September uh, into very early October. Now, it all goes pretty much north to south. So as far as the peak of the season, when is the best time to see fall color? And a lot of places, if you take the average, it's really the middle part and later October. You know, really mid-October, oftentimes we can see the peak of the season across Iowa, northern Illinois, northern Indiana, Ohio. Now it takes a little bit longer, more usually around the end of the month of October, around Halloween time, especially across Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, and it does take even longer farther to the south. I mean, if you're talking about Oklahoma, Mississippi, especially northern Mississippi, northern Alabama, northern Georgia, that more really is in the first half of November. And uh, for folks in Louisiana, uh, southern Mississippi, Florida, southern Alabama, south Texas, Kirsten, I know you know this, fall color season is, uh, is not much. Uh, if you're going to get some fall colors, it's definitely going to be the end of November and I, I hesitate to even call it fall color in South Texas because I guess the leaves go from green to brown, but you don't have the, the yellows and the oranges and the reds. Uh, so it, it definitely, brown. definitely varies, <laughs> varies a little bit. But in general, uh, the, the higher elevations get it first, and the farther north you live, the earlier they are going to change. And the farther south you live, 
it's going to take longer for them to change or they're not going to change at all. Uh, guys, do you have any favorite leaf peeping spots? You know, it's funny you said leaf peeping because I'm doing a full foliage outlook for pressofac.com. And I asked a uh, forester within New Jersey's Forest Service what he thinks of leaf peeping. And he essentially said it's uh, good for tourism, but not good for him. You know, there's a couple of spots I like. Um, once you get up north in Long Beach Island, near Barnegat Light, Barnegat Lighthouse, there's some nice foliage there. It's not a lot. There's some nice foliage. Uh, Batstow State Forest. Uh, which is in Burlington County, New Jersey. And then High Point, which is the highest point in New Jersey in the northwest corner of the state. Uh, I've been there a couple of times as well. So that's what I got here in New Jersey. Sean, I always liked Skyline Drive when I was living in Richmond. I was only there for a year, but that fall, I went and took a drive along Skyline Drive uh, up in the mountains. And man, that was gorgeous. I absolutely loved that drive. You know, that we're very fortunate uh, about that here in Virginia. We've got that wonderful road skyline drive hooks up there in charlottesville then it turns into the blue ridge parkway and it continues all the way down uh well into the carolinas uh and yeah man it's just wonderful to drive that route very slowly very gradually and just take it all in uh so i love to go up uh into the virginia's mountains as we get into the fall to to take it and i've gone it's been a long time since i went camping in the fall a very long time since i went camping in the mountains in the fall uh, but it's gorgeous. I mean, it really is gorgeous. For us, the time is is really more mid to late October, a little bit earlier in the true highest Allegheny Highlands, let's say the Bath and Highland counties in far western central Virginia. But yeah, I mean, for, for me in Richmond, it's it's going to be really very late in October, even early November. But uh, yeah, the mountains are just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. And I would say for everyone, you know, for future planning, if you want to take a leaf peeping trip to take advantage of the fall colors, especially in those places that are most famous for the fall colors, New England, and yes, the Skyline Drive in Virginia. You know, October is definitely the month to focus on because there are a lot of places where the peak either varies from early October to late October, and we kind of take an average across the country in mid-October. So October is definitely the month to plan your fall color trips. And moving along, kind of piggybacking off of fall foliage, and the reason why the leaves change, it's because we get away from those warm, humid nights of summer and we transition to the cool, crisp nights of fall. But as we get later and later into fall, it's not just cool nights anymore, it's cold nights. And eventually, you get to our fourth thing to know about fall, frost. Now, this is that thin layer of ice that forms on grass and other plants late at night or early in the morning. Now, ice... That means the air temperature is freezing, right? Not always. So, Sean, why do we get frost when it's actually above 32 degrees outside? Yeah, this is one of the things I wondered for the longest time as a kid. I'm like, well, wait a minute. It's not freezing. How can we have frost? You know, um, think about how an object gives up heat, which is kind of like, what do you mean gives up heat? Think about a piece of aluminum foil first. Take it out of the oven and it gets cool very quickly, right? Well, the ground actually cools more rapidly than the air above it at night. If there's not a lot of wind and the sky is clear, the ground cools very effectively and very efficiently so that the ground will be colder than the air immediately above it by a few degrees. And that's why sometimes you will have frost on strips of, you know, blades of grass and that kind of stuff. Even if the air temperature, which is normally taken five to 10 feet above the ground is 38, 39 degrees, that can still happen. 
So that's that's the thing to, to remember. The ground can cool much more effectively than the air immediately above it. So this is why you know, if the humidity, the relative humidity is fairly high, uh, you can get frost uh, on, uh, on surfaces, even though the air temperature is a few degrees above freezing. Yeah, and I think that's what catches people off guard because when there's a chance of frost, the National Weather Service will issue these mm. frost advisories. And people mean, what does that mean freeze? And it's like, no. Oftentimes you'll see these frost varieties. As a general rule, the temperature to look for is about 37 degrees. If the air temperature is 37 degrees, if you've got a clear night and calm winds, kind of the same conditions that you need for fog to form, because it's a similar process, just at a colder temperature, that's when you have the chance of frost. So the magic temperature to watch out for and the magic conditions are a clear night, light winds. And once that temperature gets to about 37 degrees or colder, 37, 36, 35, there is that opportunity for frost. And yes, plants can be damaged by frost, but when it's colder, they even have a better chance of being damaged. And so that, of course, brings us to the fifth thing you need to know about fall, and that is freezing. Most places actually get their first freeze of the season in the fall. And this is when the air temperature does actually hit 32 degrees or colder. And you're going to know when this is going to happen because the National Weather Service is going to issue freeze watches and warnings ahead of time. Now, in many places, they only are going to do it for that first freeze of the season. Although in South Texas, they do it anytime it freezes because it freezes so <laughs> frequently. Uh, and just like with the fall color, you know, the timing of the first freeze also depends on where you live. And I've got a map pulled up talking about the first, the average first freeze. Obviously there's variations and we could talk about how with climate change, the timing is for that first freeze is starting to trend later and later. But believe it or not, you can actually get the first freeze of the season at the end of August in the high elevations of the Rockies. I mean, we are talking way up in the Rockies, but that is certainly the exception. You know, you go across the very far Northern tier of the country and we're talking about late September. Uh, very end of September, sometimes already seeing that first freeze. It does take longer in most locations, though. You know, Iowa, southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, it's more likely going to be around the mid-October time frame, kind of lining up very similar to what we see with the fall colors. Then once you get into Missouri, Kentucky, Virginia, it tends to be the end of fall. So sometimes that first freeze of the season can't happen right around Halloween time or, or just after. And usually the first freeze is more likely to be in the middle of November or late November, as you get into Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Texas. And again, if you're talking about central South Florida, far Southern Texas, the Rio Grande Valley, shout out to the RGV. Uh, it's more likely not going to be until December or January. And not to forget also the West Coast, it kind of follows that same progression. And if you're in Southern Arizona, Southern California, yeah, there's a good chance it may not even freeze at all. That's the thing. You get some places where it doesn't even freeze. But for the majority of the country, that first freeze does occur before fall is over. And so you have to watch out for those freeze watches and warnings. And oh, the thicker coats, not just the light jacket, but the good old parkas and dusting them off. Guys, when do you dust off the, the thick coats? Well, you know, our first freeze usually isn't until mid to early to mid-November. Um, and I would say, honestly, our thicker coats don't come out till like January here in Oklahoma, January and February. Those are our rough months because we can, you know, we can stay, I don't want to say warm, but we can definitely stay, you know, warmer to where you're not bundling up all the way through December. So yeah. So I would say January and February for us. I remember those days back when I used to live in the South. <laughs> in Chicago, the thicker coats are coming out in November for sure. You will there's going to be days in November in Chicago where uh, the the light jacket isn't going to cut it. You you, will, you buy with a light jacket in October by November, 
Uh, for me, that's kind of when winter begins in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I got like I got like two levels of I guess I got the if you're talking about the real like thick winter coat, that's only like a couple days a year that I pop it out. Like the high's got to stay like below 35 all day. But I would say my general winter coat probably coming out November 10th ish and then going away like April 20th ish. And I'm not using it every day. Kirsten made a face. I'm not using it every day in April. Don't get me wrong. But I did wear a winter jacket on May 1st this year because it was only 56 degrees and it was windy. But by then, most of the time, your days are plenty nice. But I still got it around till about April 20th or so. The wind definitely makes a difference. <laughs> there is, the wind chill is a real thing. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We're not done yet. We've still got five more things for you, including a very important date you do not want to forget. Matt Brown. <laughs> that one is one of them, but there's a one that's, I'll, I'll be honest, is a little bit more important. So stick around, more Across the Sky coming up. Looking beyond the atmosphere, here's Tony Rice with your Astronomy Outlook. We're just about two weeks away from the annular solar eclipse on Saturday, October 14th. This will be visible to everyone from northernmost provinces of Canada all the way down into Argentina and from Alaska out to the western Sahara. But the best show is going to be along a 1900 mile long path stretching from the Oregon coastline to Corpus Christi, Texas. Across Oregon and Nevada, the period of annularity will observers will see the ring of fire, about 12% or so of sun not covered by the moon as it moves across the center of the sun. That'll last about four and a half minutes. Central Utah gains a few percent in another 10 or so seconds. Albuquerque, New Mexico will see four minutes and 45 seconds, and that continues to increase through Texas to just over five minutes as the shadow moves out into the Gulf of Mexico. This all maxes out off the coast of Nicaragua at 5 minutes and 17 seconds. The width of that path varies a bit from 138 miles in Oregon to 116 miles at the point of greatest eclipse down in the Caribbean Sea. But the shape of the shadow varies even more. It's at its roundest in Central America, just a little shorter than it is wide. But near the beginning of that path, it's six times longer than it is wide. It's also moving a lot faster north of 30,000 miles an hour as the shadow first touches the western limb of the Earth in the Pacific Ocean about 800 miles south of Anchorage, and it's going about 5,700 miles an hour as it reaches the Oregon coast. Just under 4,000 miles an hour in central Utah, a little more than 2,500 miles an hour in Albuquerque, and about 1,800 miles an hour as it makes its way out of Texas. By the time it reaches greatest eclipse off the coast of Nicaragua, it's traveling about 1,250 miles an hour. Then it speeds up again as it crosses Central America into the Atlantic Ocean. Why the deceleration as it moves eastward? And why does the shape of the shadow change so much from extremely elongated to nearly circular and then back again? This happens because the Earth isn't flat. Think of a basketball with a light shining on it. Now steadily pass a tennis ball between that light and the basketball. Is the shadow tennis ball shaped? Well, maybe in the middle of that path, but at the edges or limbs where the basketball is curving away. It's much more elongated and moving much faster. The more popular question about the eclipse is when to look. This is a very localized experience, so the best answer is to go to tinyurl.com slash October 23 Eclipse, or OCT 23 Eclipse. Click on your city and then click on the little clock icon on the right to change to your local time zone. 
All the times you need for the start and stop of the show are there along with other information, including the speed of the shadow and the obscuration or percent of the sun that will be covered by the moon. That's your Astronomy Outlook. Follow me at RTP Hokey for more spacey stuff like this. Welcome back, everyone, to the Across the Sky podcast. We release new episodes every Monday on our Lean News websites, but also on all podcast platforms. So wherever you like to get your podcasts, you can find us there. And if you can subscribe and leave us a review, we sure appreciate it. Now we're continuing our countdown of the top weather things to know about fall. And at number six, it's a big one, hurricane season. It's not over yet. It doesn't end until November 30th. Now, Joe and Sean, you've been doing a lot of updates on the tropics this season. Shout out to Hurricane Hunt. So what can you tell us about where we are so far this season and what to expect moving forward? It's funny when I was, I'm going to pull my old man card out here for a second. Uh, because when I was, when I was an undergrad, we all knew that uh, June 1st was the beginning of hurricane season, but we all kind of knew it didn't get serious until August, right? Nowadays in the media landscape that we're in first of June hits is like, ah, oh, it's hurricane season. Then it gets very quiet for a couple of months, right? Because the core of the season is mid August to mid October. And that's one of the things I try to drive home to people. Like if nothing happens in June, that's actually rather normal. If almost nothing happens in July, that's actually kind of normal. But the thing here is that the water in the oceans holds on to its heat well into the fall. It takes a lot more energy to heat up or cool down water than air. So that's why the oceans stay so warm well into October, which is why hurricane season goes into the middle part of October. So, it is very common to have hurricanes uh, in the first half of October, especially. And sometimes they go well into October and even November. Uh, and Joe knows all about that, uh, unfortunately, yes. due to the Sandy situation, because it did start as a hurricane before it transitioned out uh, into an extra tropical system, meaning cold core versus warm core. But, but the end result, yes, we're on the downswing of hurricane season in October, but it really doesn't drop off dramatically until the second half of October. Yeah, I think what Sean said was was perfect there. We had, we kind of even have like two drop-offs. And we've been saying this is a hurricane hunt. Like one's like the middle of September and then the big drop-off, like Sean said, is the middle of October here. But, you know, hurricane season lasts until November 30th, which is the end of climatological fall. So, we, you know, we still remain diligent there. Um, you know, hurricane season has been more active than average um i believe uh, at least when we're recording this the seventh most active hurricane season in terms of the number of days with either a tropical storm or a hurricane somewhere in the atlantic ocean that's courtesy of phil klotzbach who maybe will come on this show one day and we'll interview him he is from colorado state university and puts out all the wonderful hurricane forecasts that he does but yeah i think sean pretty much nailed it on the head you know fall is is Pretty much prime time for a good part of hurricane season. Yeah, as of this recording, which is September 28th, so far in 2023, there have been 18 named storms, six of those becoming hurricanes and three major hurricanes. And you look at what's a normal season, and that's only 14 named storms. So we're above average there. The normal number of hurricanes is seven, so certainly time to get to that. And the normal number of major hurricanes for the entire season until November 30th is three. And we've already had three major hurricanes and there's still some things brewing out in the tropics. So uh, there's been there been some talk, you know, I think sometimes we get locked into about 
the number of U.S. landfalls, and that's how busy the season is. And yes, there have been a lot of fish storms this year that haven't had an impact land, which is good, but it's actually been an above-average season already, and it's certainly not over with. Uh, so definitely plenty more to watch there. But moving on with our countdown, the number seven thing you need to know about fall, and that is to watch out for Halloween. Now, <laughs> there may be many reasons to watch out for Halloween, but the weather is certainly one of them. You know, when it comes to holidays, you know, many of them are pretty consistent. It's probably going to be cold for Christmas. The snow is iffy, but it's probably going to be cold for Christmas. Fourth uh, of July, it's probably going to be hot. But Halloween, man, you can see about anything on Halloween. I mean, the full gamut of weather. Uh, guys, what are your best Halloween weather stories? Uh, Kirsten, anything good with the kids last few years? Mm, you know, Halloween here is not, I don't worry too much about it being really cold. Um, you know, in, in Oklahoma, typically it's pretty comfortable. I do remember though, when I was a kid, always worrying that I was going to have to wear like a coat or something. And I say this, but I grew up in San Antonio. It's always hot. So why would I care about this? But I do remember being like, oh, am I going to have to put a coat on or like some kind of long sleeves on underneath my um, costume. But no, it's been since I've had children, you know, this will be my fourth um, Halloween. And it's been pretty consistent here. It's, it's, it's pretty comfortable. If anything, I feel like it's been a little hot. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, like I said, Oklahoma's pretty, it, it doesn't get too crazy here until until a little deeper into the season. There have been some Halloween winter storms. There's been severe weather in some parts of the country. Halloween. I mean, once again, just like we've been saying, it very much depends on where you are in the country. What is Halloween going to be like? Again, growing up in San Antonio, I remember more Halloweens where I was sweating in my costume than uh, cold. <laughs> I was taking off layers, especially those, those thick rubber masks. Oh, my God. The sweat that you pour <laughs> under those. So nasty. So Were you nasty. like the guy at the from end of a Spain? night of trick or treating? Mm. Oh, I was. I think one of my the the worst memory I have is I was an alien, and I had a rubber alien mask, and I just remember it being such a warm night, and I was just, oh, my face was just covered in sweat, and I kept having to take the mask off. I mean, I don't know, I was probably like thirteen or something. <laughs> it was it was not my most fun night of trick or treating, although I still got a lot of candy, and at the end of the night, once I cooled off inside in the AC, I was I was a little bit happier when I had my big pile of candy. You know, I got a question for you guys. What was the last year you guys trick-or-treated, like, not with, like, kids, like, by yourself? Well, we used to do, no, we wouldn't trick-or-treat, but we were really into passing out candy, my husband and I. And that was fun. But as far as, like, when was the last time I trick-or-treated, man, I don't yeah. know. I'm saying, like, as a kid, you're like, when was, how long, how late in life did you trick-or-treat until? Early oh, no. middle school. Then it was, you know, that was kind of it. You know, gotcha. maybe sixth grade, maybe seventh. I don't know. I but think I might have gone freshman year of high school. That may have been the last one for me, like just going out. And then I I, I think that's when I became aware. It's like, mm, I'm one of the taller people out here. Maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> so I think that was it. And then, you, you know, in high school, you have like, you know, the seniors that are, you know, the, the people you look up to. It's like, well, they're not going trick or treating. It's like, oh, okay, maybe I, maybe I should stop. But I think I might have gone freshman year of high school and that was it. And then gone out went out with a couple of groups of kids since then gotcha and does everybody know what the day before halloween is only in jersey you guys the day after is dia de los muertos all saints day yeah that's 
All Saints Day is the day after. I thought you said the day, day before. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yes. no October All Saints 30th. Day. Only Sean knows because he spent some time in New Jersey. It's Mischief Night. I think oh, they have that in Detroit. This before. You mentioned, yeah. Yeah, you got, I, you know, my mind was blown. I, I got to go back to the story. It was like 2015. I was working my first weather job and I was talking to somebody from Ohio who was like born and raised and he just moved over here. And I said, oh, I said, what are you doing for like mischief night tonight? Just like joking around. And the guy was like, I like I like I was an alien speaking of aliens. Matt. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what mischief night is? I've never heard of it. He said, I call uh, he calls sneakers uh, basketball shoes or tennis shoes which I don't get, but he didn't know about mischief night. So then I saw, and there's a map that says only in New Jersey do people call this mischief night. I was like, what the heck's going on? So yeah, that guys, wasn't a thing for me growing up. Yeah, it's no. called Devil's Night, I think, in, in Michigan. In Michigan. Now, I, I can't say I was one really creating mischief, so I'm not really the right person to talk about this, but I just find it, it's like such a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, the, the map is hysterical. The, that map that you references historic it's just you know at philly and jersey it's this little blue thing oh you call it mischief night and the rest yeah. of the rest of the country is like what you guys <laughs> just tell us night. what you do what do you do on mischief night historically you would throw toilet paper at people's houses and egg people's houses and do now have you ever had that done to you <laughs> no we uh you know what actually we might have had it at my parents house once but yeah. Really, by the time I was even a kid, it was kind of like cracked. I think that was more of like a 80s, 70s, 60s thing back in Sean's day. <laughs> he didn't know about Mischief Night because he was in Virginia. All right. So we've learned to watch out for Joe Martucci yeah. on Mischief Night <laughs> in New Jersey and Better also watch out for weather on Halloween. Just keep in mind, it, it, you can get a lot of different kinds of weather. So pay attention to that Halloween forecast, but also pay attention after halloween this year because we've got to talk about the eight thing that you need to know about fall and this one you definitely need to know and that's the end of daylight saving time now this year that's going to occur on sunday november 5th mark your calendar sunday november 5th if you want to do it officially wait until 2 a.m or otherwise whenever you go to bed this is the one that's sometimes considered the good time change because this is when we fall back so you will set your clocks back sunday november 5th at 2 a.m to 1 a.m so yes you get an extra hour of sleep but the bad thing is sunset the next day an hour earlier <laughs> it's definitely going to throw you off guys how do you handle the time change dude all right i'm going to start here because it, it kicks my butt man <sighs> i am as i get older i am much more in tune to daylight cues in terms of waking up and falling asleep i've reached that 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 age now that you know when it gets dark i'm like i'm ready to go to sleep i'm like <laughs> my, my wife is just teasing me she's i'm like it's 5 30 i'm ready to go to bed she's like what come on man um but that first i, I honestly i really struggle from the time we set the clocks back in early november until thanksgiving by Thanksgiving, I've kind of acclimated, but those first two or three weeks, it's it's a downer. It's a serious downer. Now, the flip side of that, I hear people going, oh, well, we should have daylight saving time all year. No, no, I will take this three months of pain because here's what I don't want in January. I don't want the sun rising at 830. All right. I don't want any part of that yeah, at all, at all. Yeah. So I can, I can, I can gut it out for a few weeks, get my get myself acclimated then you know 
after Thanksgiving, we're set up for the holidays. It's a more exciting. The lights are up, you know, the chestnuts on the open fire, the whole bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I struggle those first two or three weeks after we set the clocks back. But under no circumstance do I ever want to stay on daylight saving time all year long. So there's my piece. <laughs> you know, I agree with Sean. The first couple of weeks are hard with that, but personally, since I have so much family in Arizona, I love whenever this comes around because now instead of being two hours behind everybody I talk to in Arizona, we're only one hour behind. Plus when I go to visit, which is somewhat frequently, it's a lot easier to take three small children and only mess up their bedtime by like one hour versus two hours. Two hour time difference is a big deal when you've got a five month old baby or a two year old little boy and you're going to visit your in-laws. So that's my thing. I love when it comes around because then I feel like I can text my in-laws and my sister-in-law at like, you know, 8 a.m. and it's not six there still. Yeah, so watch out for the time change. Sunday, November 5th. Sunday, November 5th. That's the date to remember. But we're going to keep moving along here uh, to the number nine thing to know about fall. And, you know, oftentimes fall is considered the quietest weather season. And, you know, technically, if you factor out hurricane season, because we do see the peak of hurricane season on September 10th. But if you take that out, yeah, fall technically tends to see the quietest weather, you know, of all the seasons. <laughs> I think you can tell since we've been doing a whole show on this that there's still a lot of weather that occurs in the fall and you can't overlook fall severe weather season. Now, no, there aren't as many severe storms and tornadoes in the fall as there are in the spring, but they absolutely still happen. You know, in September, we still average around 70 tornadoes across the country. And in October and November, both October and November, a similar number of tornadoes, we average about 60 tornadoes in October and November. We really don't see a steep dive in severe thunderstorm and tornado activity uh, until December. And Kirsten, being in uh, Tulsa and Oklahoma, how does uh, severe weather season in the fall play out there? Okay, so I was going to say, I pulled up some stats about this. And last year, 2020, no, no, I'm sorry, two years ago, 2021, um, we set the most, the record for the most tornadoes in October um, since they started, you know, taking records back in, what, 1950 for that. And that was 34. We had 34 tornadoes in October in 2021, which is not far behind what we have in April. So April, the most we've ever seen in April was 54. Um, you know, on average, though, we're right there kind of around March, like what March, what we get in March. So it's, you know, again, we, we like, like you said, it's these transitional seasons. When that happens, this is, you know, this is, you're going to get this kind of weather, uh, you know, when you get these fronts that move through spring or fall or whatever it might be. So, but, uh, you know, it is, we, we do still get tornadoes here. Uh, and it's, we call it, you know, the second severe weather season around here um, whenever that happens. So, uh, yeah, last year wasn't too bad. We only had two tornadoes, but 2021, 34 tornadoes. That's a lot for October. Yeah. And even here in Jersey, which is like really weird, we actually had our biggest one day tornado outbreak in November uh, on November 15th, back in, uh, I believe it was 1989. Yes, 1989. We had a large tornado outbreak that day. We had 17 tornadoes in one day in New Jersey, which is a lot. 
for us here. So that is that was incredible. Uh, and that led us to a total of 18 for the year, which still stands as the most tornadoes in one year in recorded history going back to 1950. Shout out to my weather dad, Dave Robinson, who's been on this podcast for that information. Yeah, because they tend to occur in these these bursts. You know, you'll go, that's where, you know, you have to watch out in October, November, because you'll go a couple of weeks where it's pretty quiet, nice weather, not much going on, maybe just some light rain moving over you. But then suddenly, big time thunderstorms, like, where did summer come back from? What is happening? So watch out in October, November. Severe storms definitely can still happen. We can still get tornadoes. Again, it's uh, still not to say that there are no tornadoes in December, January, or February either, but those are the three months where it's particularly the quietest. You get about half the number of tornadoes in those three months. About 30 is the number of tornadoes that we typically see in December compared to 60 around November. So much more of a drop once we get into the winter months, but keep an eye out for October, November for additional severe storms. All right, and finally, we've... Uh, I think reached a good transition point here. The 10th and final thing you need to know about fall is, and I know some people aren't going to like this, it's fall snow. <laughs> and, you know, I think this is the perfect segue, not only into winter, but it also ties into severe storms because a lot of the times, you know, these first snows of the season occur on the backside of low pressure systems and cold fronts that on the front side triggers severe storms and possibly tornadoes ahead of them. And on the back side, here comes the snow. Now, just like with fall foliage and the freeze times, the timing of the first snow of the season varies considerably across the country. Once again, you can get your first snow of the season in the higher elevations of the Rockies in September. Now, usually the first snow of the season for Montana, North Dakota, Northern Minnesota, actually in October. And then there are a lot of places where it actually occurs in November though, across Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, southern Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, up into the northeast. Your first snow is in November, not in December, November, still technically in the fall. Now, a little bit farther south, and you're not talking about that first snow until you get into December, like Kentucky, Oklahoma. And then as far as the southeast, you're talking about usually January or February, if it snows at all. But uh, watch out for the snow. Sometimes in October, watch out for the Halloween surprise, but especially in November, they start to get into snow season. Guys, are you are you looking forward to talking and forecasting about snow again? I am, because that that's what, like I said at the beginning, it keeps me hanging on to winter as my tied for second favorite season with spring. So yes. And in southern New Jersey, and if you're listening in southern New Jersey, thanks for listening. Our first snow, our first measurable snow on record was November 5th. So it's coming. And hey, shout out to our snow search series that Sean and I are going to be doing once we get to some point in November, Sean, right? So eventually, maybe late November, we'll start doing our Monday snow searches. Yeah, I have to imagine we'll do that around Thanksgiving, no later than right after Thanksgiving. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a few years ago, there was a really bad snow in the Northeast at the end of October. There were still leaves on the trees and, you know, these kinds of almost freakish um, October snows in places that don't typically get them. So it, it can happen, but, uh, you know, especially when we get down to my latitude here in Virginia, the, the variability and snowfall from year to year is, is so high. I mean, we've had winters that we had 30 inches and we had winters like last year, we didn't get a thing. So it, it's all over the place uh, in certain locations, but yeah, we typically start to see something in December here. Um, but as you mentioned, um, Matt, 
a lot of times you right after you've had this abnormally warm, humid kind of thing, then storm goes by, you get on the backside and it and it snows and it really catches some people by surprise. You know, back to to what Joe went through with, with Sandy in, in 2012. You know, at the time I was in Western Virginia and, you know, we have a lot of ski resorts not far away in the state of West Virginia. And once Sandy went by, it unleashed this torrential amount of upslope snow on the western side of the Appalachians. And there was a phenomenal amount of snow in the ski resorts of West Virginia with Sandy. And people sometimes forget that, that it was a very big storm also away from the New Jersey shore with some of the most most phenomenal snow amounts away from a classical winter storm uh, that you would see because it was the end of October. So it tapped in the cold air once the storm went by. So yeah, October, late October certainly can be a volatile time. Yeah, it's uh, just a reminder, just like with the severe storms, you know, once, especially you get into late October and into November, not only watch out for severe storms, but watch out for snow again. And I personally am rooting for a quieter winter than last winter, because last winter I was far too busy with weekly winter storms in the Midwest. So fingers crossed, it's going to be a little bit quieter <laughs> this year. And uh, I think that does it for our top 10 things to know about fall. Now, this was a, a little bit of a different episode for us. Uh, I enjoyed it though. Uh, but the real question is, did you enjoy it? Let us know. Send us an email at podcasts at lead.net or leave us a voicemail. That number is 609-272-7099. If we hear good things, we might have to do this again in uh, just a few months for winter. Top 10 things to know about winter. I'm sure we'll come up with 10 things for that as well. But for next week, we're back to having a guest for you. And it's another meteorologist who has a unique role. Joe, what can you tell us about it? Yeah, so we're going to welcome on Mark Elliott, who is the principal meteorologist for AT&T, the phone company. We're going to talk about why do phone companies need meteorologists. Trust me, they do. Mark's going to explain all about that. Mark is a uh, fellow Rutgers guy, so always very happy to have fellow Rutgers guys on the podcast. You may know him from the Weather Channel. He was on-camera meteorologist for over a decade on the Weather Channel and still freelances there. So we're really happy to have him on and uh, talk about his unique position here on the Across the Sky podcast. Yeah, I actually got to work with Mark a little bit when I was interning at the Weather Channel back in the summer of 2013. <laughs> Looking forward to chatting with him again and getting caught up. But for this week, that's going to do it for Across the Sky. On behalf of Lee Enterprises and my fellow meteorologists, Joe Martucci, Sean Sublett, and Kirsten Lang, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll catch you here again real soon. At Strayer University, we see you striving to work harder and go further. That's why we provide you with the tools you need to get there, like offering a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can do your coursework anytime, anywhere, and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.